Hello and welcome back to Gaijin Com- Or, no, that's not what we call it anymore. <laughs> not for a long time, man. <laughs> yeah. God, what year is it? What is this, 2011? <laughs> I'm in my time machine right now. Hello and welcome back to GKAD. Good job. The show that, just like Ayumi Hamasaki's career, will never end. Nope. This week, joining me is Miss Zero. Say Hello. Because it's an IU episode, I have to be here. Hello. Exactly. A1 is Ayumi Hamasaki's 2015 album released on her 17th anniversary, 17th anniversary of April 8th, and it actually is an Ayumi Hamasaki album, unlike Colors, which was released uh, last July. And this only had one single leading up to it. That was the triple A side, Zuto Last Minute, The Gift. No, Zuto Last Minute, Walk. The Gift was a digital single immediately preceding the album's release. So, that being said, what did you think about it? It is a step in the right direction. She has got her toes in the correct water once again. It's not quite there yet, though. Like, it's kind of uh, half-step below Rock and Roll Circus quality-wise. But it's leaps and bounds above Love Again. And I know I will get a lot of hate from my fans for this, but I think it's it's basically like, what if the mixing on Love Songs didn't suck completely? which it did. Wow. It did. I didn't like the mixing on Love Songs. I thought it was a mess. I thought the mess, the music on that album was just very jumbled. And I um, I was probably going into it expecting a little too much because I'm a big TK fan and I'm a big IU fan. And when I learned that most of the songs on the album, most of the new songs anyway, were collaborations between the two of them, I had high hopes for something, you know, that captured what I loved about both of them and it managed to cancel out what I loved about both of them. This album did a much better job. His contributions to this album, in my opinion, were much closer to what I wanted from an IUTK collaboration. <laughs> that said, this album is still not big enough. It is still very kind of understated. Like, I use just a little bit too shy to fully commit to the sound that made her sound like herself between, like, Duty and uh, Guilty. Like, that span of time. There's not enough IU oomph here. But it's nice to see that she's finally on the right path again. Um, as far as... And, and when I say the right path, I want to clarify for our listeners that this does not mean what I, you know, personally like as a style of music, you know? What IU does certainly does have its faults, in my opinion. The nonsensical guitar solos were always kind of an irritation for me. <laughs> the intros that have nothing to do with the rest of the track always kind of bothered me a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that I use strengths are necessarily 100% stuff that I always love. But there's no denying she's really freaking good at that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. That is where she sounds most comfortable. That is where the uh, things that she's trying to express actually seem to come out the best. You know, I use career over the last five years or so has been the first time in her entire career where I've actually needed to look up the lyrics to kind of get what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Where in earlier in her career, I feel like the, the arrangements and the melodies just matched up with what she was feeling and saying a lot better. Um, 
And I, I mean, a lot of that is, is her approach has changed. Um, but I, I, overall, in general, though, what I need from IU is that sort of balancing of positivity and negativity. Mm-hmm. And she's had way too much stuff recently that um, seemed really, really positive or really, really negative and wasn't enough. You know, there wasn't enough seepage over into the other side of that kind equation. of a shallow positive and negative. Extremely. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it, unfortunately, if, like if it's one of those things where if you look at the lyrics, you understand that she's actually being pretty negative in a very positive sounding song. And as a result, you know, a lot of fans just don't get it, which is why she has to do that during Party Queen when she performs it live. She has to do that sort of interlude in the middle, that the I'm a Lonely Queen interlude in the middle of it, because there is nothing on the surface of that song that tells people that it's multifaceted in any way. It just sounds like a fun, happy party song. And then you read the lyrics and you're like, well, um, not so much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like you're, you're you know yelling at yourself for, for, you know, basically being an escapist booze hound. Um, but so like on this album, we're back to the, the positive and negative mix together, you know, um, mm-hmm. no future is like, there's tension in there. Like it's a positive sounding melody, but there's still that, there's that tension there. And that was what I wanted out of the positive melodies, you know, that, that had that lyrical darkness that I mm-hmm. wasn't getting before. And no future has that no future actually. And I said this on AHS and I stand by it is probably my favorite TK composition of all time. Like, no wow. joke. Like, I think this is the pinnacle of what makes his stuff sound like his stuff. And Your what favorite IU composition? No, TK. I mean, T- TK yeah, like song TK. for IU or just TK song, period, just ever? Period, ever. And, like, this is coming from a big fan, like, who listened wow. to stuff on, like, Globe. I, I even listened to a couple of Gabal singles, and it's like... Who even fucking remembers them? They had like two singles. But like his stuff with TM Network doesn't really resonate with me, admittedly. His stuff with Globe was always amazing, but it, it, it wasn't, it didn't quite have the dynamism that No Future has. And I think No Future uh, does a very good job of, like, I, I read the lyrics to No Future, and so I know what that's about. And the way the music sounds in that is exactly the face that you're putting on in that unrequited love situation where you, you feel it, but you hate yourself for it, and you're trying not to sound like you're totally fucking miserable, you know? I, I feel like No Future is one of those songs that just fucking nails it, you know? Um, and then there's other songs on here that, you know, I don't feel like they really do work as well. Like, I, I really am not a fan of The Gift. I know that that's sort of, um, you know, the official official review, if you can have any such thing, because this is Japanese media, there's no such thing as an unofficial review of anything. Um, calls it the ultimate wedding song, and it's like, well... Oh, God. It's really freaking sweet, but holy shit, could it, could it be any more generic? Luckily, the piano intro and outro kind of add that tension and excitement and sort of apprehension, mm-hmm. but they bookend a really, really generic type song. That manufactured wedding ballad that I hate. That's just my, I, my least favorite style of music is that manufactured wedding ballad. It's odd that the quote-unquote ultimate wedding song is on the same album as like no future and warning and mm-hmm. it just doesn't yeah this, seem to fit thematically <laughs> this yeah this album definitely has less of a theme um in general mm-hmm. but at the same time when when you realize it's there is actually kind of a theme of loneliness 
or solitude, I should actually say, because it's not really a feeling of loneliness in every single song, but it is a feeling of having to go it on one's own, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There is that going through the entire album, and which is, you know, moving on without you being tacked on to the end here was, was actually probably a pretty good move. I'm glad it was a like kind of a bonus track sort of deal, because it does not fit with the continuity of the rest of the album. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it does fit into that theme, so I'm kind of glad it's it's on here. I'm very glad it's on here, actually. It does add a little bit of color. Um, but overall, in general, like, Warning is about, I'm gonna do shit my own way, fuck you, I don't care what you think. No Future is about that unrequited love. Um, anything for you, I, I think, addresses the, the members of her crew and band and dancers that have, you know, sort of left over time. And it's sort of a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always be rooting for you, but if you got to do your own thing, then okay. It's her kind of c- coming to terms with the loss of those people that she's come to trust. Last Minute, obviously, uh, is about the passing of somebody close. Um, you know, you go through it, the whole thing is kind of like... Oh, okay. It's it's about her having to deal with doing things on her own, not necessarily being understood, um, but finding the sort of the, the strength to carry on in the face of you know not having a, any kind of guaranteed soulmate or support or anything like that. You know. Mm-hmm. So lyrically, there is absolutely a theme through it, but it doesn't tell a story the way a lot of her other albums do. You know, the last couple of albums have have really been kind of storytelling you know, sorts of albums. This this feels like more little bits of her biography that fit into the theme of holy shit, I really am on my own, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I think is, um, you know, the, the album's title, fans keep bickering and bickering about, you know, what does the title mean, A1, and why didn't she put the A logo for the A? And it's like, well, she, she did probably intend for there to be that L between A and 1. But she also kind of uh, probably intended it to mean, like, this is version one of IU. Like, she's back to that, you know, the way she was doing things before. And that there is really only one of her and she needs to be okay with that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they all, all those meanings sort of fit and work together with this. And, and there's not just one meaning to the title. And that's a good thing. And IU fans really need to stop freaking bickering yeah. about this. Because it's like, you're getting caught up in a little stupid detail here. <laughs> stop it. Yeah. It could be a cone for all we know. Yeah, it very well. And this album is her way of addressing the sadness you feel when you drop your ice cream. There you go. Exactly. exactly. Everybody I've knows cracked that. the code. Everybody knows that feeling. And you know what? If that's what this album is about for you, then that's what this album is about for you. You know. <laughs> and I feel like she would be totally okay with your with that <laughs> outlook on the album. Probably. But yeah, like there are other tracks on here, like uh, story that. You know, fans are really loving because it sounds like one of the mid-tempo ballads off my story. But the thing is, the mid-tempo ballads off my story were the first group of tracks by IU that I can remember really just not caring for. <laughs> and so, like, I'm like, yay, IU nostalgia, but this is going to kind of blend in with, like, replace and stuff, and I don't care. I like it. It's not a bad track, but, like, mixing-wise, that one is probably the only place on the album where the mixing is suffering. The end of it, kind of it's supposed to have this oomph that that howlish like pop up of the last chorus it tries really hard to have that power at the end but the volume is too regulated it's too equalized so it doesn't have it i'm gonna call that kind of a sign of the times sadly you could actually hear on the last song of hal's album hal's first album um they had a song at the end called for you that had that 
oomph, that pop at the end. And it actually does it in a very similar way to this. But on that track, you can hear it's done right. And on story, it's done wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. One thing I will say was surprisingly done right was the very, very long and potentially draggy anything for you. Like I said, I really don't like those sort of manufactured ballad sounds. And when I saw that this one was seven minutes, I was just like, ugh, really? Yeah. There are some long tracks on this album. Yeah. But because of the key changes in Anything For You, I actually didn't realize it was as long as it was. I'm kind of impressed. I, I do have to give IU's team kudos for that one because you literally made me not notice how fucking long that song was. Good job. I completely agree with you. Like, when I see a track that that's long, that it is that long, I'm like filled with a sense of dread. But mm. it kind of grows in this very organic way that you don't really notice. Yeah, and it goes... It goes, like, first it goes from, you know, one minor key to a slightly higher minor key, and then it goes up to a major key at the very end. Like, you have this sort of sound of of mourning, and she's telling the story of how she feels and what's happening, and then she tries to, you know, be a little bit stronger when the key goes up, and and then at the very end, she, she kind of, like is very very close to beating the loneliness and you could see that you see the optimism at the very end there and it was actually the the story that the song tells is actually really really musically quite good uh especially considering the the lack of of dynamism that i usually expect from a seven minute song like the instruments don't really kick up a whole lot and there's not like a climactic moment in the song you know um there's not like it, the strings are it's, it's like strings and piano basically the whole way through it but the the key changes the melodic changes alone actually did a really good job of, of keeping the interest there just enough you know mm-hmm. i was actually really impressed with how that one turned out out of control is sort of in the same vein as like last links and call and letter i i enjoy it just as much as those but I don't think it contributes any more than the others. Out of Control is one of those tracks. Musically, I probably could have taken it or left it. I'm glad it's on here to add that genre to the album. But I don't feel like it particularly stands out. And I mm-hmm. don't remember the melody when I haven't heard it in a day. It's okay. It's a pretty good track. I feel like Out of Control starts this run of pretty forgettable tracks from, from Out of Control to The Gift. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. I mean, like, they're pleasant... But at the same time, they're not... I Like, if you'd ask me to hum a few bars of any of those songs, I'd be like, uh, fuck, you got me. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I am glad that The Gift is on there, though. Um, The Gift is a great demonstration of why I started listening to J-pop after a few years of listening to C-pop. C-pop's, like, love of manufactured ballads was just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Really, the piano intro, because it has that sort of apprehensive... Like, I'm excited, getting ready to get married sort of feeling. And then we get that same piano phrase for the outro, but, like, on the outro, now it's like, holy shit, what am I getting into? I hope this is good. This is a good thing, right? I can't tell. Uh, you know? <laughs> it is the ultimate wedding song. <laughs> in that respect, it totally is. In that respect, the the apprehension and excitement that is, that is just, like, packed in, in a microcosm in the intro and outro is so fantastic. I was really, really happy with that. And then the fact that it's kind of like Calling by Bees. It's like it's got great intro, great outro, shitty manufactured ballad in the middle. What the hell happened? You know? Like, <laughs> I, I, so, that said, her vocals on the gift, you can tell that she has been getting the vocal training in LA. 
I've had, there have been plenty of other times where um, I use fans have been like, oh, you can tell her hearing loss in her ear is really having an effect here. And I'm like, no, she always sounded that shitty on TV lives. And other times <laughs> where they're like, oh, you can tell her vocal training has really been helping. And I'm like, no, this is pretty much how she always sounded. This album, she's actually like singing from her chest in songs like The Gift, and you can hear it, and it's amazing, and I love it. Her <laughs> vocals on this album are just exactly what I feel like she should sound like. Like, it's still got that kind of electric timbre to it. It's still definitely her, but I'm not worried about her wearing out her voice the way she sounded, even on songs like No Future, where she's going really freaking high up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, she's singing properly now, so I'm not worried about her killing her voice over time, which is good. Well, that's one of the things that I noticed on this album, is that she's giving me more of a range of emotion in her voice. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Especially after Colors, which I really loved Colors. It was a very different album, but mm -hmm. it's a lot more noticeable because this is coming off the heels of that. Yeah, I well, and I, I feel like because Colors felt like a side project... Um, mm. I, I'm really glad this album sounds this way because um, it, I, I kind of needed that kind of reinforcement that Colors was indeed just a side project, you know? Um, and listening to IU talk about this album, it's a lot of, I forgot who I was for a while, you know? It's a lot mm -hmm. of talk like that. And like, she went back to Japan to record this album, which I think was a good thing. Um, you know, I don't mind her recording in LA. She's done some great stuff recording in LA, but I think she needed to be home where she felt comfortable expressing herself mm -hmm. i think that's really what it is you can tell when ayu is is comfortable saying how she feels and what's on her mind like she said for this album that there were like dozens of songs that she had prepared for this album and this is what she kind of you know whittled it down to which explains the good genre representation on this album that she had a lot to work with and she kind of you know narrowed it down to this she you can tell she she's actually much more inspired to create when she feels comfortable to create. And I don't feel like she feels all that comfortable just being herself in LA. I think in LA she's inspired to self-improve and to push her own boundaries and see what she's capable of, but she's not as inspired to do what she does best as she is when she's in Japan. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think in this album she has kind of, there's some self-awareness here where she knows what she does best and she, she didn't try to fuck with her formula too much that said she did not take her formula to the uh, the risk of a pun here she did not take her formula to the next level on here <laughs> you said it i know did i tried it. not to but i couldn't <laughs> not um she she didn't upgrade her own software on this one like mm -hmm. she tried to install a new os on colors and it didn't work and <laughs> it didn't quite take some of the software was good though which is why we have moving on without you on here but um it's uh it wasn't her thing to do that. So I think with this album, she's like, okay, this is I'm this is what I'm hoping anyway. I feel like she's like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I do. This is my thing. I'm going to do this, but better. You know? Mm -hmm. That's what I want from, from future IU albums. I want A1, but better. I want A1.5. I want A2. <laughs> I want A2. Yeah. Let's go all the way. Why not? Well, I don't know if she'd be comfortable doing A2 just yet. <laughs> um, because, like, I feel like there's a lot here that says, you know, I could do this stuff. But, like, you... Ugh, dang it, IU. You know what you're doing. You know what you're supposed to be doing. Just do this, but amp it up a little bit, all right? Oh, and um, stop filling in entire songs with strings. 
that is a big problem with well, pop in general right now, but IU in particular has a big problem with it, where strings used to be used for punctuation and emphasis and, um, you know, moments of, of climactic, blah, you know? Like, look at songs like Heart Place. That is mostly <laughs> guitar and drums, but the strings kick in right when they're supposed to, you know? It's stuff like that. <laughs> I just got too many songs where there's just strings the whole way through, and the whole impact is lost as a result. Background vocals is another big problem, where, like, background vocals are there to kind of, you know, punctuate and emphasize things, you know? Some of IU's best songs, hardly any background vocals in them at all. Like, Who, Sweet Scar, stuff like that. It's like, when there are background vocals, it needs to be a moment that I notice. You can't just have background vocals for the entire song, because then it just kind of, it's like this floaty cloud of sound, and it's not a dynamic piece of music. And there are some dynamic pieces of music on here. Holy crap, the dynamic range on this album is fucking unbelievable. I just want to, like, say that. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it really goes from quiet to loud. It's fantastic. It's the best probably since I am, as far as that. Um, the show must go on is amazing! Yeah, um, it's probably my favorite track on the album. It probably is. It's funny, because we haven't even mentioned it, I don't think. Because it's just like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, of course it's awesome. I don't need to say anything about that. It's like, yes, I know the intro sounds like Snowy Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the song doesn't. It really doesn't. It's amazing. Um, I think because of the um, simplistic chorus, which we have now heard the melody in three songs by TK that he's done for IU, um, because of that, that's why it doesn't get the best TK composition ever thing, but it is probably the best arrangement and production on this album. If I were one of the two Team IU members who got to sing backup on that song, I would be fucking honored. Mm-hmm. Because that is epic. That is just to be able to say, yes, this is what I helped contribute to. That's just like, yes, I gave birth to a football star. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's really, really cool. I'm, I'm really, really happy with that song. It's just like, oh my god. So yeah. I guess, I mean, you, you kind of get my impression of the album overall. It's just like, this is, mm-hmm. you're in the right waters. Just fucking cannonball. Please, cannonball <laughs> in. Stop, like, splooshing around with your toe. It's, stop. Just Come on to the deep end. Yes! Dive in. You're an this. Olympic swimmer. I, Come on. That's, that is, yes, exactly, exactly. It is, it is like watching an Olympic swimmer wade in the kiddie pool. This is like, no, you're... You're at the right pool. You need to come over here now where you can fucking do your laps and kick ass. All right? Do your laps and kick ass. But it, it is really, really nice to... I, I hate to say, I, I feel kind of vindicated as an IU fan because, like, everybody who's listened to this can, can hear the difference between this and the last two albums as far as mm-hmm. how comfortable she is with it, where her, um, where her expertise zone is, you know? Like, this, clearly, this is what she's supposed to be doing. It's just not quite there yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So overall, I'm really happy with the, uh, the direction she seems to be going in here. I'm just kind of hoping for an upgrade with the next one. Hoping, mm. hoping, hoping that I <laughs> just continues this, but again, better. So this is the part where we diverge a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing that's difficult for me to come to terms with, because I really like this album, and I can listen to the entire thing, and I won't skip a track. That alone, in this day and age, is a feat for me. But... I feel like I've heard this album before from IU, mm. and it feels like rounding out a trilogy of love songs, Love Again, and now A1. And I feel like every time there's like this case of diminishing returns, and I don't want to hear another album like this again. Even though this is a very well put together album, 
And even though I think all of the tracks are good, which, you know, unlike Love Again, which I think Love Again had some better songs, but it also had much worse songs as well. Yeah. And it was more of a combination. But I want to hear a bit more of an evolution, like, especially after Colors. Like, that's, that's the thing, is that the, the best combination of both Colors and A1 is moving on without you. You know what? I completely, actually, completely agree with you on this. Like, what you're saying, we're not diverging, actually, very much at all. I'm the big fan, so I'm more excited about the album, but mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. Like, I would have liked to... <laughs> that's... that. Well, no, that's my, my, my problem with the album, is that, like, like I want the A2. I don't want to have to wait until the next album for that, you know? Mm-hmm. The thing is, I think where we diverge is that I feel like IU kind of disappeared after Rock and Roll Circus. Everything mm. since then has felt wrong. Everything has felt, in some way, not like a proper IU album. But then again, look at her life over that time. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, I mean, Moving On Without You is so fucking good. It is so solid. It is everything that colors. When we reviewed that album, we were like, just push it further, just refine it, and you could be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that is what that is. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of that evolution that I want to see in IU. I think it, it. I think personally that it shows me that IU needs to work with more varied musicians because, mm-hmm. like, Hiki, I think, came to IU saying, "I want you to cover this particular song," and IU said, "No, I want to do Moving On Without You," because that is a song that IU can relate to, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, just a really, it's a really classic J-pop style sort of dance song mm-hmm. and IU needs to IU I don't feel like IU feels a lot of the melodies that she's singing along to the way she used to. If mm-hmm. I had to pinpoint the issue, I feel like she's I feel like she's singing songs that she enjoys, like that she likes hearing, but I feel mm-hmm. like none of these songs give her tingles the way her old songs probably did when she hears the demos. That would be yeah. my guess. And that's one of those things that it was so apparent to me when I was listening to that Utadahi Karu tribute album, which we didn't do a review of, but you should all listen to because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. She embodies that song. She takes control of that song. It feels so much more than a cover. She really makes that song her own in a way that she did not do with like Seven Days War, Sotokyo Shashin, you know? Mm-hmm. Those were songs that I think she liked to listen to, but like they don't... I mean, if you read the lyrics to Sotokyo Shashin, like... She dropped out of school. She doesn't know what it's like to look at a picture of herself in a yearbook. You know? She doesn't... I mean, she probably knows what it's like to look at a picture of herself when she was younger. But she wasn't happy when she was younger. So the song doesn't really... You know, it's a nice song. It's a good song. But she couldn't have made that one her own. Because I don't feel like she relates to it as much as a song like Moving On Without You. Where that's Mm -hmm. friggin' personal. I mean, she was bitter. It's such a strong pop song. But it's... It's hard-hitting. It is. It really is. And I think IU does so well with that song because she, I'll bet you anything, when she first heard that song, it gave her tingles. And I think IU needs to be a little bit more discerning when she picks her demos that she's going to write lyrics to. I think she needs to not do, I feel like she's trying to capture like a timeless melody sort of sound with some of the ballads that she's doing because she likes, you know, Yumi Matsutoya and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, old TM Network stuff. I feel like she's trying to capture that timeless melody sort of sound because, and she's basing it on, well, what song sounds nice? What's a melody that I would listen to 50 years from now? Don't do that. Do the melodies that make you tingle, that make you go, fuck, yes, this is exactly how I feel, you know? Yeah, it's it's a little bit sad that I'm going on and on about a bonus track 
that doesn't really have much to do with the album as a, as a work, but I'm gonna do it anyways, because it's our fucking show. And I think it also just kind of really shows what she was going for colors, but also kind of reconciling because it's produced by Red, Red One's team. Mm-hmm. So it's a Japanese-style song with an American influence. Utadi Kadu's always had an American influence, but mm. in a much more direct way. Yeah, with Moving On Without You being produced by Red One and also making it more of a straightforward just dance track as opposed to sort of the, I guess, the sort of New Jack Swing sound that the original one had. It, it makes it sort of the, the best of both worlds in every way that made me like J-pop to begin with 15 yeah. years ago, you know? You've, like, done a, a spectacular rundown, so I'm not really going to go into my review that much further, especially since we agree so much, and I don't want to jinx it. I know, right? <laughs> but uh, A1, more like B-, minus C plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'd give it that. But, like, <laughs> colors... Colors to me was like a solid C plus for well it was like a B minus for a pop album but like for an IU album it was like a D plus. Colors for me was extra credit. You know what? Yeah, we'll give it that. I'll give it that. <laughs> the only thing I think where you and I differ is that like I, I I do I feel like every album since Rock and Roll Circus has been basically since she released her fiftieth single it's it's been just no no this <laughs> none of this feels like IU. Mm-hmm. You know it, it's it. It felt like it felt like Ayu was trying to recapture something that she hadn't lost yet, and it was kind of awkward, you know. That's deep. It, thank you, <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, wouldn't you kind of agree with that? No, like, th- th- that's the thing. Is like he said that, and I was like, wow. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> in trying to recapture like the way she sounded back in the day, she lost what made her sound like her, you know? And I in feel the like now. she really should have just been honing her talents rather than trying new stuff or going too far back in the past. You kind of blew my mind grapes just now. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for this episode of GK80. I had to think a minute to think of which show we're on. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you liked our review of A1. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I am GKJLee. She is GK0 with a zero. And the show is JpopJrock underscore. The other people, who cares? They're nice, but they're not here. I am sacrificing watching a hockey game for this, however. I... And devoted to I. She is very devoted. <laughs> and we'd like to thank you for that devotion. So, until next time, I'm Jaylee. And you can call me Zero if you want. Johnny! Johnny.